John 4, 43 to 54. The word says this. After the two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to uh, to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, Sir, come before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for its call on our life. As we respond to you and as we see you doing many things around us, that we too would walk in faith in what you're doing. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us this morning, encourage us and strengthen us through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, as many of you know, I went to a recital this week, had a rehearsal and a recital for my daughters. They're both in dance this year, and so this year being Claire's first year, I got to be part of the Princess Parade Got to go out and dance with her in a fancy suit and have fun uh, with her in front of everyone, and it, it was a blast. And um, and you know, also at, in rehearsing, going to the rehearsal, got to see you know the entire show twice this week. So you know that was a blessing uh, in in and of itself. Um, you know, but the interesting thing, if you go to any of rehearsal or dance recital, and I've seen many of these growing up. I had an older sister, so, you know, I've gone to many, many uh, one of these types of shows. Uh, But it's interesting because, um, especially at the younger ages, like, you know, younger than Claire, actually, there was one group younger than Claire, and literally it was just a free-for-all. You know, like kid flopping on the floor, one kid pestering the other, just the classic two-year-old dance recital experience. Um, But, you know, as you grow in something like that, uh, those kids have to, like, pretty much trust exactly what this teacher is telling them to do and where to go, how to go there. Okay, now, if you put your leg up like this, I promise at some point it's going to look really good when you all do it together. I mean, can you imagine sort of wrapping your mind around that as a little kid? My teacher's telling all of us to lift our legs. Like, what does that mean? You know, like they're processing the whole thing and wondering. And really just with 
trust of a child and say, okay, like, here we go. Everyone put your leg up, you know. All right, now put this leg up. And when you see that all come together as the audience, you're like, wow, what a beautiful thing. And the kid's just sort of just obeying, you know, just the teacher told me to lift my leg at this time. And now I'm going to lift this other leg. And it all comes together, right? The choreographer has a vision for what is going to happen. And these little kids just simply trust. Like, all right, let's lift our legs, everyone. Okay, now let's spin. You know, everyone spin. Crashing into each other. You know, um, but slowly as you get to see, you know, the older groups uh, come up, you see that they have been trusting their teachers for a long, long time. running with great ambition across the stage and doing these amazing movements. Where does that come from? Simply from a child's trust that this choreographer and this teacher knows what we're looking for here and where we're going with this. Today's passage um, is really about obedience. Simple obedience and trust. Um, And we see it uh, that Jesus is communicating something through all of his actions about his character and about how he has desired to set forth his ministry uh, as he goes about Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And so as we go through this, what what we're really going to see is is the power of the Lord isn't flashy. It's in simple obedience. Listening to what the Father says, listening to what Jesus calls us to do, and simply doing it. That's where the real power of the Lord comes from, and simply listening and trusting that His vision is bigger than my vision and better than what I can even see. And so I think we will see that as we uh, go through the passage today. Um, the first few verses, 43 to 46, we see. Uh, I want to explain this a little bit because the, the, really the whole passage, some of the grammar is like a little confusing what he's trying to get across. So I want to walk through it uh, a little bit so we understand what's going on here. 43 to 46, he says this, After two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he, made, uh, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. So on the surface of it, it sort of feels like the Galileans are giving him like a warm welcome. But if you dig at this a, a little bit more, you see that you know, their welcome is based on some things, actually. The odd statement that makes us sort of fish for a little bit more on this particular uh, few verses is that Right in 44, John inserts a little commentary of his own, the parentheses there, if you see it in your Bible. It says, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Why did he say that if the Galileans are welcoming him warmly, right? Is the question we should ask. Well, what, what we see here is that he's just come from Samaria, right? Just, just before this, he was in Samaria. He met the woman at the well. He told her everything about her life. And she realized that this man must be the prophet, if not the Messiah. And that, in fact, is what the rest of the community in Samaria uh, came to believe on this woman's testimony and on the testimony of Jesus himself as he interacted with them, that yes, indeed, I am the Messiah, Jesus says. Simply on his words, he actually doesn't perform any particular miracles or signs per se, 
The only thing he performs is that he has a special knowledge of this woman's situation and speaks into it. And she says, there's something to you that I need to understand. And so she goes and tells the whole, the whole of the city and they all come out and they're placing their faith in this man. And so he leaves Samaria, which is like a different region entirely, a different national makeup. Uh, the, the Jews uh, didn't interact with the Samaritans. We saw that very plainly in the text over the last couple weeks that they didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, and especially Jewish men to Sumerian women, uh, if just being in the presence of Sumerian woman was thought and codified to make you unclean, just being there. And so the, the division between them was very uh, large. And so here Jesus is saying, okay, now I'm going from this region, Samaria, which all we Jews are looking down upon, and I'm going back to my homeland. Jesus had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so he comes to Galilee, and why do the Galileans welcome him? They welcome him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem. Why do they want to see him more? Well, they saw him confront the religious establishment by throwing tables over in the temple. They're like, this guy has something to say. They saw him in uh, verses 223 to 25, which I perfectly covered up in my Bible and didn't print for myself. <laughs> if you have to, feel free. Here we go. Hold on. John 2, verses 23 to 25. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what is in a man. They believed on him because they saw him doing many signs in Jerusalem. So as he comes back to Galilee, these individuals that were in Galilee had been in Jerusalem when he was doing great signs and showing them, you know, that he was something different. And they wanted to see more. They wanted to see more signs and wonders. So they're welcoming back. Oh, Jesus, come on back. And prior to him even going back to Jerusalem, it says, it reminds us, right, in verse 46, so he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water to wine. As we saw, that was sort of a discreet miracle. Not many people knew of it when it happened. Uh, but as we talked some in Bible study this week, it was like, yeah, well, I mean, a few weeks back, some man came to a wedding and turned gallons upon gallons of water into wine, that story is going to make its way around the mill, you know? Um, so by the time Jesus gets back a few weeks later to Cana, they've heard about what he's done in Jerusalem. They've seen some of it there, there firsthand. And they've also know what he's done in, uh, in their presence there in Cana. So why do they welcome him back? They welcome him to see the show. They welcome him to see uh, what it is he's going to do and marvel them with now. See, by contrast, the Samaritans had believed upon him simply on the testimony of who he was. And these are asking for more signs. So in the midst of that, we see this interaction of Jesus with an official. Starting in uh, the second portion of 46, it says, And at Capernaum, 
there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to uh, come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Um, one thing that I want to say real quick about sort of biblical writing on occasion is that we don't always read it all linearly. Like we typically read, read a story in a linear fashion, right? And uh, so it may not be the case that we should read this linearly. 47 and 48 are sort of a summary of, 40, sorry, 46 and 47 are a summary of what happened. It says, this is what happened. Uh, an official came down and asked Jesus uh, to heal his son. And then what typically happens, happens often in biblical writing, is that they'll tell you what's going to happen, they'll tell you how it happened, and they'll tell you the point of how it happened. They might repeat the, the process over again with a little greater detail. And so he gives what happens, right? Uh, the official came and asked Jesus, uh, pleaded with him, come and heal my son. How did he do that? This is how he did it. Uh, Jesus said to him when he asked, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Another particular for you. Sorry for a number of particulars in this passage. Just got them all over the place. Uh, he says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The yous in that statement are plural. He's not speaking directly to this official. He's not saying, you are only going to believe if you see a sign, you official. <laughs> you know? That's not, how, that's not how he's pointing his voice. How he's pointing his voice is to the entire crowd that has come to welcome him. He's saying, you people only want to see a sign. That's the only way you're going to believe is if I perform some sign for you. You're, and you know what you're going to want after that sign? Another. And another. And so he's saying, you people always want to see a sign. The emotion of the moment is found in the next verse when we go back to seeing what is happening with this father. This is a father whose son is about to die. They don't know why he's dying. They don't know what has come upon him. He has a high fever. He's at the point of death. He's described as a child. He's not, you know, this isn't a grown son. This is a child. The official says to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He pleads with Jesus. He doesn't care. He particularly doesn't care about signs and wonders. All he cares about as a dad is his son. He has traveled, uh, you know, a number of hours to get to Jesus and simply put his case before him. Please, sir, come down and heal my son before he dies. Jesus' response to him is very simple. He says this, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. I mean, if you think about that moment some, what you see is, okay, the expectation of this father was that he's heard that Jesus is in this other town. He walks over to this town and says to Jesus, I need you to physically come with me so that we can heal my son. Like, come on, let's go. I need you now. Jesus doesn't go. He just says, you go. 
he will live. I mean, you know, if you're going to a physician, you expect that the physician needs to have some interaction with the person at hand, right? I mean, think about the thoughts that could be going through this father's mind. Like, no, I need you to come so you can do whatever right here. Jesus says, go. He will live. Go. He will live. That was enough for this man. Jesus said, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. <laughs> so simple. Lift your leg. I've got something to show you that is, you're, you're going to marvel at after you see it. He believed. He trusted. Okay, I'll, I'll go. You know, I guess he's going to be okay. The amazing thing about this is as this man comes and presents his case, the crowd is there again and the opportunity there for uh, publicity's sake of Jesus is full, right? Here he has a, loud, a large crowd that has come to see him. What he could do is say, all right, let's all go, right? Okay, crowd, let me show you the sign. Nope says, you guys aren't going to believe by a sign. Listen, official, you go. It's taken care of. His compassion is greater, right, than, uh, than the, the possibility of garnering a crowd. Why? Because he isn't about garnering a crowd. He's about doing what the Father has called him to do, displaying the compassion of the Father. Jesus is at one with the Father, knows exactly where he is headed, and knows exactly the compassion of the Father. To this man says, go, your son, your son will live. So no sign done for the mass of crowd again. He sends him back, and as he's going down, his servants meet him and told him everything that the son was recovering. And when they asked what time, it was exactly the time Jesus said, Go, your son will live. Seeing what happened seeing how Jesus saved his son, they placed their faith in him. They believed in him. They said, all right, we believe in you. We'll follow you wherever you go. <laughs> he and his whole household believed in Jesus. This is the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come from Judea to Galilee. What I want to challenge us with uh, is pretty simple. Though the gr grammar of the passage has a little bit of particularities, uh, the message of it is pretty plain. The work of the Lord is powerful. It's not flashy, though. 
it's, it's, not, it's not worried about uh, what kind of publicity it can gain. It's worried about accomplishing its purpose, demonstrating the character of the Father, demonstrating the character of the Son, of the Spirit. It's about demonstrating who God is to us. It's the, the only desire the Lord has is to find worshipers, true worshipers, who will worship the Father in truth and spirit, right? Who will be born again. He's not worried about the size of crowd that he gathers. Jesus could have gathered the largest crowds of all humanity, right? He could have done wonder after wonder and garnered humongous crowds of followers as a result of that. He chose not to do that. It wasn't because he lacked ability. It was because he chose this, that the Father had put this in his will for Jesus to operate this way, to heal from afar. Go, your son will be well. I don't need this crowd to follow me and see what happens. The same thing with the water to wine. Who knew that it happened? Just the servants. There was no proclamation. In fact, most of the people were probably incognizant, right? Like they probably didn't understand anything that happened. They just received better wine and couldn't even appreciate it. It was late in the day. He's demonstrating his power to those that need to see it. In the first instance, his disciples believe. In this instance, this man and his whole household believe. The work of the Lord is powerful not flashy. And second, this, um, God's deepest work in our lives usually comes through obedience and faith rather than in response to a sign or a wonder. So often what our hearts long for is God just show us a sign that this is what it's supposed to be Just give me some awesome experience that will just like solidify this for me and then I promise I'll have faith forever and never doubt. The unfortunate thing is that when we have received such things, we do go back and doubt and ask, how about just another sign to make sure this is good to go? (laughs) One more wonder, please. Don't get me wrong, God is gracious and he does do signs and wonders to display his power and majesty on this earth. I I believe that full well. But his deepest work in our lives happens when there is no sign and there is no wonder and we simply go having faith that what Jesus said to us happened and will happen. What did he tell the official? Go, your son will live. What did the official do? That man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. I mean, you never know what's going through someone's head, right? I mean, the man literally could have had some motive of, I'm going to gather this crowd. They're going to come see this miracle. Like he could have had some prideful thing in that as well. He could have wanted the crowd. He didn't, I don't believe. Jesus could have wanted a crowd. He didn't. 
what, he, what they were both concerned with was the compassion of a father being on display. And that's what's on display here. Compassion of the father and obedience like a child. Go, your son will live. Yes, sir, I believe that. Turns around, walks back, son is alive. God's deepest work in our lives comes out of obedience and faith, not out of great signs, not of great wonders. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful with the way that you work with us, that you know us each perfectly, every inside and out, God, you know us. You know how we will respond to you. You meet us right where we're at and provide faithfully all that we need. God, we are so thankful for the work of Jesus in our lives. Help us to have the faith of this man, the faith of a child, to trust you and believe you when you say go. When you say your son will live. May we believe the words you have said. May we believe the words you continue to say to us through your Holy Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to move into a